This is another damn sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilcrest, welcoming back our degenerate analyst, Pat McMahon. And I just have this to say Oral Roberts, North Texas, Oregon State, Syracuse, all of these huge upsets happening during the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then the second round was just even more of the same. How hype are you about how this tournament has turned out so far, Pat? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Like, just you can't ask for anything better, especially after missing last year. Um, and then to get it back and have just this, uh, you know, great of a tournament, like you said, and, and all those teams and Adeline Christian as well, beating Texas, like their home state, uh, you know, powerhouse school. Like that was just so cool to watch as well. I mean, only one, only one kind of, you know, downside of the tournament was that VCU not getting a chance to play. But other than that, it's just been a fantastic tournament. Yeah. Mike, you seemed like you were a little excited about uh, Texas losing. Oh, uh, no, I'm not excited. I was sad. I hook them horns. You know, I was, I was, I was, uh, I had Texas going pretty far. Uh, you know, they, they were playing well all season. They were actually playing better as of late. And, you know, I, on the outside, I can see how cool it was for them to, to win that game because uh, it was their first win in program history in the NCAA tournament. It was in state, which makes it that much better. Uh, but I was just disappointed in Texas. They had 23 turnovers and they couldn't score in the last five minutes. So they really just did it to themselves. Uh, but I mean, I, if I could compare this to the beginning of this tournament to anything, it's have you ever gone to the movie theater with this big movie that was coming out and it had to do more than just be a good movie. It had to uh, answer a certain message. It had to live up to this. It had to live up to this and it had to do this. Uh, that's what this NCAA tournament I felt like had to do this first weekend because not only did it have to be entertaining, but it had to live up to the hype of not being here last year. And so it had to do that too. And I feel like it really over delivered on what I mean first day Ohio State gets upset I was at the gym and I saw these guys like gathered around the tv I'm like what's going on they're like oh Ohio State's losing by like 20 I'm like what and then we like we all got back into our workouts and then Ohio State like kind of came back I'm like oh seven minutes left they're down by four they're gonna win this game and they couldn't make free throws and they lost by one point so just been crazy it's just absolutely been crazy and obviously, from a bias standpoint, it was exciting for anybody who's a fan of Syracuse because they won both games, and uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the Syracuse games, but first, we have to circle back to just how correct Pat was for a lot of his predictions, other than his Bonnies. Unfortunately, the, the St. Bonaventure squad did not show up uh, in full form against LSU and it was a very disappointing outing it was tough it was it was brutal I mean they had tough draws in the beginning like I think they were super underseated as a nine uh and then you know playing against the SEC runner-up like LSU's a great team but at the same time like you said they just didn't show up it was it was the worst game I've seen them play all year Kyle Lofton amazing player just I felt so bad for him at the end he was really upset just did not play well they they just could couldn't make any jump shots they did what they had to do in the first half played great defense uh held LSU to two points in the first eight minutes but at the same time they only had four points so um and then they literally made no shots outside the paint for the entire first half and it's just tough to win games when that happens so uh disappointing but still a great season for them overall yeah, you can't be disappointed with how the season went. Obviously, ending that way sucks. But uh, well, we'll move to some of the positives. You, I asked you to pick one upset, 
And your upset hit, man. Ohio beat Virginia 62 to 58, led by Jason yep. Preston. I mean, that, that is one hell of a win for them. It was, it was. Yeah, that was, I would say, the one thing that uh, on Saturday after the Bonnies lost, it was kind of early in the day. I was in a bad mood. But then the rest of my day went great for my bracket, for, for gambling. Like, I couldn't lose after that. So, at least, especially seeing Ohio, I had them on the money line at a pretty good number. So, that was huge. I had Maryland on the money line, upsetting UConn. Uh, a couple, a couple of picks like that help ease the pain just a little bit of my Bonnie's falling. Yeah, sometimes that that will definitely help. And uh, looking at the the West region of the bracket, that was probably oh, easily the biggest upset. The rest of the uh, first round kind of went according to plan, with no other upsets um, among the field. And then in the second round today, Iowa falls to Oregon, ninety-five to eighty, which reinforces the fact that Pat said the Big Ten is overrated, and it's really starting to seem like it with all of these big teams falling. Yeah, it, it really is. It's crazy. I mean, when Ohio State lost, it was like, oh, whatever, it's kind of a fluke game. But then you just kind of see the rest of the conference go down. Purdue loses as well in the first round at the hands of North Texas. Uh, you know, all those big names. I think Michigan just had a good showing against LSU, kind of saving the name of the conference right now. Uh, they're probably the only team going to the Sweet 16, which is insane when you have uh, put nine teams into the tournament. Oh, geez, yeah, I didn't even realize that too. Mike, go ahead. No, it's just uh, I was so stunned that, you know, I, I was one of many people who had Illinois in the finals against Gonzaga, and I was just stunned to see them lose and to uh, really just Purdue. Uh, Michigan's the only team Michigan's the only team left in the Big Ten. Is that right? That's what, well, yeah, Maryland's, that's a, Maryland's oh, down a half right now, so they still have a chance, but I'm just, just – I must say somehow pull it out. It's looking like just one big, big kind of team this week, 16. Do, do you buy into the uh, conspiracy theories that – uh, the committee was out to get Illinois, and that's why they had them face Loyola Chicago in the second round. What? Wait, <laughs> that's, that's a thing? I heard that at work. <laughs> it's like the committee was out to get Illinois, so they put Loyola Chicago as an eight seed, even though they were like 20. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their draw, it was super tough for all the one seeds. I mean, like, yeah, like you're either going to play Loyola or Georgia Tech, who just won the ACC in the second round. And then, like, uh, I mean, it obviously turned out to be Oregon State, but like Oklahoma State was a popular pick. Um, to knock them off. So they did get a really tough draw. Yeah. And some teams just okay. choked their games. Like Florida had their game against Oral Roberts. I, I, they had that game. Yeah. Blew it away. Right. You they know, really it, did. It, it's, it's amazing to me that so many of these games come down to, and that's what's exciting about college basketball and the NCAA tournament. They really can come down to the final minutes because mm -hmm. uh, I, I know we're going to dive deeper into the Syracuse games, but in that West Virginia game, I think it was looking with a minute and a half as you had this big shot, they're up by nine. My dad's sitting next to me and he goes, Woo! Sweet 16. And I'm like, why'd you say that? Because now it's something so that happened. <laughs> yeah, you They're can't jinx that stuff. They couldn't handle West Virginia's full court press. Like, for some reason, yep. I kept passing it to the corner, which was so freaking stupid. And it, it became a, a really exciting finish and nerve-wracking for us Syracuse fans. <laughs> yeah, that's for damn sure. Um, the game's not over till it's over. In the, yeah, in the no, right. Exactly. And I honestly am so impressed with how Buddy Beheim has kind of just taken the role as this team's leader, as the guy who has the ball in these clutch situations. And he's converting. Uh, honestly, I was kind of a Buddy Beheim hater earlier in the season. I thought that he was only a guy that could really shoot if he was like wide open and then he kind of just would struggle. But he's definitely turned it around. Drew, Drew was, was, was it Buddy or was it his brother that played with us at Syracuse basketball camp? It was his brother. It was his brother. Okay. Yeah. Pat, you look like you were going to say something. Yeah, just kind of like my thoughts on Syracuse game. Like you said, uh, yeah, Buddy's been unbelievable. I think he started the year. He's only like 29% for the first five or six games. And I think he was out with COVID for a bit.
but yeah, he's been unbelievable since turned around. And, and to your point, like every team knows he's lights out when you see, he catches the ball, uh, you know, anywhere from like 40 feet in the guys, guys are in his face. West Virginia has, you know, great man to man pressure, but to his credit, he's gotten so much better at putting the ball on the floor, using pump fakes, doing whatever he can to free himself. I think he only had three points at uh, halftime yesterday and then just came right out of the gate, hit a couple of threes, just exploded down the stretch. Yeah, he, he's his improvement's been just so fun to see. And now, like, the talk for the last few days is he, he could be a first-round pick down the road, which is, which is insane, and tons of credit to him. Yeah. And the other thing that this weekend really showed to me was that the NCAA, the men's NCAA basketball is maybe the one sport where – you could lose some of the big brands or, and have them participating at all and still be mm-hmm. okay. Like there was no Duke and no Kentucky at all. And I feel like we, you know, we still had a great product to watch there on the, you know, you know, that, that's out there. It, that, that was, it, it, that's what's so great about the NCAA tournament is it's just, it's always exciting no matter who's playing, no matter who's playing, it's, it's going to be right. an exciting down to the wire. There's going to be upsets. There's going to be buzzer beaters. There's going to be amazing moments. It's just, it's really just been great. Yeah, no, it absolutely has been great. Uh, Pat, did you see uh, Oregon State coming at all? I did not. So my thing with, with both Oregon State and Georgetown, I thought uh, a lot of times in these, when you see a, a team from a major conference that was just mediocre in the regular season, make a run like this and, and uh, get to the tournament as a 12 seed, they usually historically in the past have done poorly. And uh, obviously that was the case with Georgetown got the doors blown off them by Colorado. But I think, and I, I thought the same was going to happen for Oregon, but then I think as we've seen during this tournament, the PAC 12, which has been down the last years has been super underrated. Uh, they haven't lost yet. It looks like Colorado might go down, but other than that, they, they are going to put four teams in the sweet 16. Uh, maybe uh, one more. I think USC still plays later. So the PAC 12 has been unbelievable. So that was, uh, I got to give Oregon state more credit for winning that conference. There's a lot, uh, tougher of a feat than you know it looked like originally and you see how Oregon just dominated Iowa like that's just they beat Oregon they beat um, I forgot how they beat in the semis and they beat Colorado in the championship like that was a, a an unbelievable run by by the Beavers um, yeah I, I, I didn't see it coming but huge were, credit to them. weren't they weren't they the team that got uh, didn't they get into the second round because the other teams uh, had bad COVID protocol wasn't that Oregon State they didn't win their first that, game I think they kind of got it no that was that was Oregon Oh, that was Oregon. That was Oregon against VCU. Yeah, Oregon okay, State okay. beat Tennessee, and then and then Oklahoma State in the second round. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know who I was really impressed by, Pat, was uh, UCLA uh, yeah. beating Michigan State, and then they they you know they obviously had a 14 seed in the second round in, in Abel Christian, but they were able to you know really beat them. I mean, they beat them down. It was a 20 point win. Right. And now they'll play the yeah, winner of this game that's going on right now between Alabama and Maryland. And I, I honestly, I like their chances the way they've been playing with the momentum they're carrying into that game, whoever their matchup is. Yeah, they've looked really, really nice. Um, and they, they kind of got lucky to beat Michigan. They had a – or Michigan State, I mean, in the, in the first four. They had a couple calls go their way late, get to the – got some and ones that uh, helped them win. But then, yeah, the, to your credit, they've – or to your point, they've just blown the doors off their next two opponents – and definitely like their chances against Alabama or Maryland. Yeah, which is that game's going on right now. As for those of you listening, we are recording this as these games are still finishing up, and Maryland is uh, trailing Alabama at halftime, forty-six to thirty-eight. Uh, Pat, were you like, were you um, surprised? Were there any like surprises? Uh, like, were you surprised that Virginia lost in the first round? Was that kind of surprising to you, or because the ACC has been kind of weaker this year, were you kind of like, eh, you know, not too surprised by that upset? 
No, well, yeah, I had, uh, I did have Ohio. I think we talked about it last week. That was one that of was my uh, upset picks in the initial one. Yeah, I, I was actually a little surprised today how easily Creighton beat them. I thought they were going to have Creighton a tougher fight because um, uh, Creighton hadn't looked too great down the stretch, loss of Georgetown. But same thing with them and Villanova, both uh, the two Big East teams still going. Um, both looked really bad on the stretch. Villanova lost their starting point guard, but they took care of business, uh, beat Winthrop, pulled away late, and then, you know, blew the doors off North Texas in the second round. So uh, yeah. the Big East, I, I wasn't giving them too much credit, but they've had a, a fairly good showing so far. Yeah, who, who, do, you, who do you like between um, uh, Kansas and USC that still hasn't played out yet? In Kansas, they, they had a scare against East Washington. East Washington was winning for quite a while in that game. Yeah, that game was was uh, very fun to watch. I think Eastern Washington is up nine and a half, I want to say. 93-84 yeah. finals, so tons of points, fun game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This one will be good. I mean, it's <laughs> – uh, so I could sound like an idiot here because uh, people are going to be listening tomorrow after the game's already over. But I'm going to go with – I think USC is a really good chance. They're actually favored despite being, you know, the highest – the six seed against a three. Um, I don't think this year's Kansas team is all that special. Like, it, I think for – in comparison to regular Kansas teams in the past, they're just a little down talent wise. Um, and they've had a lot of times where they've kind of let other teams uh, with maybe lesser talent hang around. Um, but USC super talented. They got a top, the guy's probably the number two pick in the draft um, in Isaiah Mobley. So a big guy. And I think he can have a field day. They got some solid guards as well. So I, I like USC's chances to pull this off, get to sweet 16. Okay. All right, yeah, two games in, uh, Gonzaga winning their first game against Norfolk State, then they beat Oklahoma today by, uh, looks like they beat them 87 to 71. So, I mean, Gonzaga is, you know, the team that most people have put as the winner in their brackets. I know I did. I'm sure mm -hmm. you did also. Yeah, I did as well. Um, so two games in, do you still feel as good as you did before the tournament started with their chances to win the national championship? Yeah, I really do. And I, um, I think when you watch them today, Oklahoma kind of came out of the gates on fire. Uh, took the lead early. We're up like, you know, five or six points and, and they just never panicked. Uh, they kind of prove once again, they're the most talented team. They're, they're deep too. Like they bring three or four guys off the bench who would start at just about anywhere else in the country. Um, Drew Timmy had a monster game, the center, Corey Kispert, the, the small forward. Uh, both those guys are going to be first round draft picks and monster games. And you have what I think is their biggest advantage is just the fact that they have Suggs at point guard and then Andrew Nemhard, also another point guard who, um, you know, he transferred him from Florida. I think they're two of the – they play on the floor together a ton because I think they're both top five point guards in America. And having that luxury with both of them in the same backcourt is just not even fair. Um, and, and that's going to carry them a long way, you know, with, with two steady guys handling the ball. It uh, can help you overcome a, a lot when things aren't, aren't going right on offense. Yeah, so going into the Sweet 16, this is their path. They've got Creighton up next, and then they will play the winner of Oregon or Kansas or USC. So that's, you know, I, I feel really good about their chances against Creighton. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Oregon, it depends if they play Oregon, Kansas. I, I feel like no matter who they play, they're going to beat them. Um, of, those, of those, though, between Oregon, Creighton, Kansas, and USC, who, who would you give the best chance to pull off the upset? I think Oregon has the best chance. They're probably uh, – they're my pick from the beginning because I really like their guard play uh, probably more so than the other teams. Chris Duarte has been unbelievable this year. And uh, Will Richardson, too. I think Oregon, they lost a few games in January when Will Richardson was out. And since he's been healthy, they've, they've been on fire. 
Um, and I think people kind of forgot or slept on them a little bit coming into this tournament because they lost the their first Pac-12 tournament game to Oregon State. But we see now, like, Oregon State, not really a fluke team. So it wasn't a, as bad a, a loss as people realized. And then you saw today putting 95 on Iowa, um, just the, the amount of offensive firepower they have. So I think if they're able to get hot, they could give Gonzaga the biggest scare. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now here, Pat. If anybody listened to the last show, you asked me for an apology for when you said that St. Bonaventure was the best team in New York State over Syracuse. Yep. And I did. I gave the, you know, they were, I gave you the nod. They had the better regular season. But now that Syracuse has made it to the Sweet 16, are you ready to say that Syracuse is the best New York State college basketball team? I am not ready to say that because oh, I don't on. know, man. It's, it's a single elimination tournament. <laughs> you know, it doesn't always reflect how good teams are. Like, I think if they played head-to-head, I would, I would definitely take the Bonnets. I think they would. It's just like 2018. We, uh, Bonaventure beat Syracuse in the Dome. Um, both teams made the tournament in the last four in, actually. Bo- uh, Bonnies beat UCLA, then lost to Florida in the first round. Syracuse had that nice run. Um, I think they beat Arizona State, I want to say, in the first round. And they, they won a couple games. They beat Michigan State in the second to get to the, the Sweet 16. But, yeah, it's just kind of like that year. For some reason, when Syracuse is a double-digit seed, Teams just can't beat them. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with – now, I, I've always been a critic of always playing 2-3 zone all the time. I feel like you need to mix it up because it makes you kind of predictable. But I think mm-hmm. in, in this tournament setting, when you're playing a team in single elimination, teams that are not as familiar with the 2-3 zone, especially with how quick uh, and swarming the Syracuse 2-3 zone is. Right. It's, not really a t- it, it's a 2-3 zone, but sometimes it can be a 3-2 the way and the way that these guys move. Um, right. Certainly – it, San Diego State played in Syracuse's hands perfectly because San Diego State was not a good shooting team. And for some reason, no. they just kept settling for really, really bad three-point shots. Like, they were deep, right. deep three-point shots, and they just kept bricking them and bricking them and bricking them. And it, it kind of was just like, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, okay, just keep shooting, guys, because you you can't make it. You can't make anything. And right. Buddy went off, and eventually the rest of the team joined him. I was really nervous at first offensively for Syracuse because I was like, you know, Buddy has 16 of the first 19 points. And – do we have anybody else that's going to contribute? Cause that's really, cause this mm-hmm. other team can't shoot, but maybe eventually they'll figure it out if no one else on our team can, can figure it out. And then everybody else kind of added on and it was, it was a good, right. uh, but West Virginia also with it again, it played into kind of Syracuse's hands a little bit, not the best three point shooting team. They got a little mm-hmm. better in the second half, but they had a they, right. they the score in the first half too. You yeah, know, they, exactly. I, they've kind of locked into who they've played so far. I feel like. For sure. Yeah. And I think too, with the West Virginia game, um, to, to your point about like it's hard when you're when you don't see the zone all the time to prepare for it. it's even harder in the second round or like if, if they get to the next weekend if they get to the elite eight because mm-hmm. on those games you only have one day in between games to prepare rather than you know like four or five so you only get one practice in to prepare for the zone and it's uh get your zone offense ready so those those games are even tougher so that's that was uh tough for West Virginia and and we also, as you said, too, they did finally start to hit some shots in the second half. That guy, uh, McNeil, was on fire. Miles uh, McBride hit a couple, too. So they, they finally got their offense clicking, but just a little too late, and Syracuse made enough plays down the stretch. Another thing yeah. I took away from that game yesterday, I was, I was talking to my dad about this earlier. I don't think there's, like, 50 players in America better than uh, Marek Dolajai. Like, I think he – like, Buddy obviously gets all the credit he's been on fire, but, like, I would – if I was starting a team – uh, a college basketball team, and I had to pick one guy from Syracuse, I would pick Marek Dolajai. He just does everything well. Um, gets assists. He doesn't turn it over. He plays defense. He rebounds, takes charges. Yeah. And then, like, 
he's not like a go-to scorer, but when you absolutely need a bucket, like he can go, he can go do it. And I just love the way he plays. He does like when, when he went to the bench uh, with in foul trouble, that's kind of when West Virginia started to make their run. I think he's the most important player to the Syracuse team. Well, it, it certainly showed because um, he got into foul trouble really early on in this game. I mean, he had three fouls. He had two fouls mm-hmm. at, near the end of the second half, and then Jim Baham took him out smartly, but then put him back in for some reason, and he quickly got another foul. It's like, what are you doing? Because in, in college basketball, you only have five. It's not like the NBA where you have six. And then he quickly got another foul at the beginning of the second half. So he, he played most of that second half with only one foul left. Right. And he luckily was able to kind of stay out of trouble. But every time he had the ball or every time somebody like dribbled towards him in the defense, I was like getting so nervous. I'm like, oh no, here he goes. Yeah, here he right. But uh, yeah, you're right. Because he had a key putback at the end of the game where Syracuse mm-hmm. was struggling to score and he got the rebound, put it back up and scored. Um, mm-hmm. And he had some key assists too. I mean, he, he's just, his, his court vision is amazing. But you're right. You saw when he got taken out how Syracuse couldn't really rebound the ball. West Virginia had so many offensive rebounds in that game. It was insane the amount of second chances that Syracuse was giving up to West Virginia. That, those second chances they gave up was what was keeping West Virginia in the game. Right. Uh, and, that's, yeah. and that's what I was nervous about West Virginia versus San Diego State when it came to our matchup with, because I felt like West Virginia was going to, even though those players aren't as familiar with the 2-3 zone, the coach is very familiar with Jim Baham's 2-3 zone. And he was going to know that the key to being the zone is really beating them inside. Because West Virginia's size had bigger size than Syracuse did. Um, and I, I feel like and again, I'm I'm so happy. For, I'm so happy that Syracuse won, but I feel like if West Virginia was playing in the Big East still, they would have been more familiar with the two-three zone, and that probably would have been something that, uh, you know, they would have been a, a little bit more ready to go, and it would have been uh, West Virginia, in West Virginia's favor had they still been in the Big East together, seeing each other twice a year. I think, but I, I'm I'm not going to dwell on that because I'm very happy that Syracuse won. Uh, but definitely if they had both been in the Big East uh, and they played each other twice, West Virginia would have been more prepared for the zone. They probably would have fared a lot better. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's I thought that same thing as well. It's like, yeah, Huggins knows his own, but none of his current players on this right. team have prepared for it. So it was it was definitely tough, and that was huge for uh, for Syracuse. What do you think about this next matchup against Houston? It, they're even better defensively than uh, both San Diego State and West Virginia. So it's, it's going to be tough to get points on them. Yeah, and they're a better shooting team than both San Diego State and West Virginia. So that's that's what makes me nervous. I, w- I wish I honestly wish we were playing the Houston Rockets as opposed to playing the Houston uh, University of Houston because the Houston Rockets have lost 20 straight games. So they'd probably be a better match than Syracuse right now. But, but you know, I mean, Syracuse right now, they've exceeded my expectations this year. I mean, I, at the beginning of the year, didn't even think they'd make the tournament. And then at midway through the year, I'm like, they'll probably squeak in and maybe either win their first game and be eliminated or be eliminated the first round. And that would be okay. But they won their first two games and now they made the Sweet 16. It's like, okay, at this point, anything they do now is like gold for us here in Syracuse. Like, it's just gonna be so much fun to watch. And I, I, I do hope that the game against Houston is close, but I do think that Houston should win the game. Like they, they should beat Syracuse. But who knows? Maybe it'll be another one of those situations where they're not used to playing a 2-3 zone. They'll get thrown off enough and Hey, if Buddy Beheim and Gerard are, you know, scoring and on fire, Syracuse is going to be tough to beat. I, you know, and if they honestly, this is going to be the toughest game for Syracuse left, uh, except in the Final Four of the championship game. Like, I think they they win this game, they're in the Final Four because I feel like they can beat both Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State. Yeah, and that's they, where they match up for in the Elite Eight. 
They certainly have a better chance. Sorry, I'm back after losing three to one in the Mortal Kombat set, and I'm very salty. Oh, so time to turn it around here. They talk about Syracuse and how great they've been looking. But um, yeah, I, like you said, I, I think if they can make it past Houston, then they have a pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but they have an easier shot than they would have expected to get to the final four. Yeah, and I was, I was making the argument earlier, Drew, that when we played West Virginia, if, if Syracuse and West Virginia both were in the Big East still, I feel like West Virginia would have been more prepared for the 2-3 zone, and that probably would have been a different game. I think the, the fact that those players aren't familiar with it was what gave us the ultimate edge in, yeah. in the game. No, that's I 100% agree, and I, I don't know if you've already asked Pat this question, but do you think Houston is probably not going to be uh, used to a 2-3 zone? Well, that's my hope. Yeah, they – they won't be, but I, I don't know. They scare me though. Cause they are like Mike said, they're a better shooting team um, than outside shooting team than both Western and San Diego state. But I also, their defense is so good. Their, their defense scares me. They got some athletes, so it'll be tough. And I actually think, you know how you guys just said, like, if you think like uh, the next round is a winnable game, I don't know, man, the way Loyola Chicago looked, yeah, I don't see, I don't see how Syracuse can beat them. They were so good on both floor. Like Illinois has like two all Americans, uh, another stud freshman point guard and they just shut all of those guys down they're so efficient they're good they're also a very good shooting team I think they would do pretty well against his own yeah. Crutwig inside that dude it was footwork and just a high IQ they'd be tough to handle and I don't know both these games are tough you know I'm pulling for Cuse even though I do have Houston in the final four in most of my brackets but uh I don't know I, I think they got a decent chance against Houston but if they end up facing Loyola in the, in the elite eight that Loyola team is scary right now yeah, I totally get that. I mean, but I guess you also got to think, like, obviously Loyola's gotten to this point because they're a very good team, but do you think that they, maybe right. they're another team that might not be used to the zone as well? I mean, that could also be the case. I mean, they're from yeah. one of those mid-major conferences. For sure, but I just think, like, the way they handled Illinois, like, Illinois probably coming into it was the second most popular pick to, to win it all. They were playing great, you know, Big Ten champs, and, like, it wasn't even really that close. Like, they, from wire to wire, handled that game. Illinois never made a run in the second half. That's just a sign that you're a really good team when, you know, you're playing another great team and, and they don't, and you don't let them make a run at you when, when you, like, I think that lead they had stood between eight and 12 for the entire second half. I don't know. They're just, I think they're, they're more disciplined, uh, probably just a little bit better fundamental team than Syracuse. So I think if it comes down to it, it's, I'd have a hard time seeing Syracuse beat them. Let me propose this very, very unlikely hypothetical scenario to you guys. Let's say Syracuse, wins against Houston, they go to the final four and they somehow make it to the championship game and they play Gonzaga. Would it be worth it to, as, as Syracuse fans to see Syracuse in the national championship, get their ass beat by Gonzaga? Like say the game was like 90 to 45, would that be worth it? I don't think that would be worth it. I, I would be kind of embarrassed. I don't know. Honestly, Maybe- I'd be fine with it. Are you kidding? That, that'd be incredible if they made it that far. If they beat Baylor, like... <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if they get all the way to the finals, I don't care if you lose by 40. It's still, that's still an yeah. unbelievable accomplishment. Yeah, no, I agree. But going back to the uh, Loyola, Chicago, Illinois game real quick, it seemed like the biggest X factor was that, or at least one of the biggest reasons why Illinois wasn't really able to get back to that game is, um, what's the name of the player with the headband and the cornrows on Illinois? The uh, Trent Frazier. Yeah, he seemed to have a terrible game. Like, he was not – he he was missing open shots, like, constantly. Yeah, he didn't shoot it well, and he is kind of their spot-up shooter. Uh, yeah. That, that, that hurt for sure. Yeah, so it, it was unfortunate that, like, 
their most important players didn't show up at the most important yeah, time. I, I would assume as well, he's the first team all American. He, he did not have a great game. Like they completely took him out, which was incredible. And yeah. I just can't believe like Kofi Coburn is like the most physically imposing player ever. And like Crutwig just comes in with those flabby arms and the, the thin mustache and just looks like, you know, like next standing next to him just looks like he, he's going to get his ass kicked, but he turned around and just did the opposite. Like he, I, it was unreal how he, was able to just own that matchup against Coburn. Hey man, sometimes when you have those fundamentals, you can, it can work for you against a, a giant beast. Just Absolutely. ask Tim Duncan every time he faced Shaq, right? That's right. Tim Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's been an absolutely incredible tournament and obviously I don't know what games you guys have already covered. So Mike, I'll let you take it from here. Well, we, we talked about how um, I asked Pat about um, Gonzaga winning their first two games and they're playing Creighton in the next round and they'll either play, the winner of Oregon or the matchup between Kansas and USC. And I asked Pat who uh, was most likely to win in that center, who has the best chance to beat Gonzaga in an upset. And he went with Oregon. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he said that last, last week too. So I'm not surprised that he said that this time. I mean, obviously Oregon's looking amazing. I mean, after and, destroying Iowa today. And obviously when this is posted, the game will, and people here, the game will already have happened, but uh, Pat picked USC over Kansas. So in an upset. Yeah, there you go. Your pick or you just like their chances, Pat? Sorry, I don't want to speak for you. No, yeah, I, I do tonight like them. And even though in my bracket I actually have Kansas, but, like, just seeing their both their first-round games and thinking about it over the last couple of days, I think – I do think USC wins this game. Hey, that's a, that's a big pick. But I, I is this recency bias or is this one of the most exciting tournaments we've ever watched with the most upsets? I feel like this has to be – I know there's so much hype around it, this tournament because it wasn't there last year, but – so I did just see before this, we, we have four uh, double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16, and that's like – I think it's tied for the most. Uh, or maybe – there might have been one year with five, but either way, like it's, it's – it is rare how many double-digit seeds we have in the Sweet 16. And, and Oral Roberts getting there, only the second 15 seed ever to do it. So I think you're right. It is, it is on the exciting side in terms of just tournaments in general. And then, like, I know Loyola Chicago isn't a double-digit seed, but even they feel like one of those, like, right. Cinderella And knocking stories, off you know? a one, yeah. Yeah. How so, far does Oral Roberts go? Sweet 16 in, or do you think they make it to the Elite Eight? Yeah, I have a tough time seeing them beat Arkansas. That game's going to be fun just because I just think there's going to be a million points. Like, Oral Roberts can score, um, but I don't see how they slow down Arkansas. Uh, they actually played each other in the regular season, um, and Arkansas won by 11, so – I mean, they have a chance, but uh, yeah, the Razorbacks are a complete team. I, that was crazy. Their first round game against Colgate, like it looked, I think Colgate was up 14 or 16 in the middle of the first half, just yep. couldn't miss. And you got to give Arkansas credit. They didn't, they didn't flinch. And yeah, they were down 16 points and then ended the half on a crazy run, took the lead. And then from there, it, it was kind of tough. So uh, the Razorbacks have been really impressive. Drew, share with, with Pat and the rest of our audience about uh Nick, uh, Nick Padula, uh, another friend of the podcast, he had a, he had a bet on the Syracuse game and I think he kind of got screwed at the end of the game. Were you, you were there with him. Do you remember what his bet was? No, it actually worked out for him. So he had the, under okay, I, thought, at, I thought it didn't work out for him. I thought, it, it, you know, it almost didn't because he had the under at 147 and a half and buddy was shooting two free throws at the end when it was 146 and he made yeah. the first and missed the second. So the under hit, right. and then he also had the Q's money line. So he was oh, nice. so conflicted. Um, and Gerard missed the free throw before that on yes. one and one too, which is yeah. like Gerard. You know, the, both those guys you wouldn't expect to miss. Doey Joey Gerard. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he showed up in the first half. In the second half, he kind of started to struggle on the pressure. But 
buddy took over at that point so it didn't really matter right right yeah hey they wouldn't have they wouldn't have won if he didn't put him in that position that was like what i was expecting from him seeing his highlights and stuff from high school when he averaged 50 a game i'm like this kid's gonna be jimmer he's just gonna pull up from from the logo and, and hit it and he did have two of those shots in the first half um and you know which turned out to be huge definitely yeah. and what do you what are your thoughts on uh is it braswell braswell mm-hmm. uh braswell yeah what, what are your thoughts on him getting some really meaningful minutes in the tournament I'm a little surprised. Like, I don't know what Alan Griffin, like why he kind of has been benched so much. Like Griffin's been a great player all season, but maybe he likes him better in the bottom of the zone. Cause, and, and he is a good spot up shooter. He kind of struggled a, a little bit in that Western game. I think he did hit one in the second half, which, you know, in a game that close was, was he hit a very huge. clutch one late in the yeah, game. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was late. And yeah. uh, I think that was the only one, but yeah, it was a big one, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like him. I think he he's a little shaky when he's forced to put the ball on the floor, but I think probably his uh, I think Beheim what it comes down to is he likes his outside shooting and he's his length he's taller than um, than Griffin and they're already like they're already small smaller in the back line of the zone than they normally are so I think you add you know a couple extra inches of height longer arms in the back that really helps. Yeah, and no, the amount of foul trouble that Dolish I got in definitely made me a little nervous too. I mean, he, I remember, yeah. we were so mad when he came in with like four seconds right. left in the first oh. half and got a foul right before halftime. Right. I was like, dude, what are you doing? That's going to yeah. be so I, huge. I was just telling Mike, I think he's far and away the most important player on Syracuse. Like, he, oh, yeah. this, they need him. He does, he just does a little bit of everything. Yeah, like, like it's great to have a guy like Buddy who can hit a shot when you need it. But when you have someone like that that can impact every facet of the game while they're on the court, right? Like, right. there's, Dolajai is definitely the most important. He's their best passer, even though he's a center. As I am, you know. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's kind of crazy how his career has panned out. Like I remember when he was first uh, with Q's, he was more of just like a a mid-range jump shooter who would sometimes get a rebound, and now he's just he's turned into a fan favorite. He always looks high too. Always. (laughs) He always looks like he's high. Maybe he is. I don't know. (laughs) Has he shot any threes this year too? I know he used to be kind of a three point shooter when he first started. I don't know because he had a, he had a couple opportunities. Probably not many. Yeah. He had a couple opportunities in the game against West Virginia to just hit a three. He was wide open, but he he gave it up for a, you know, a pass, which was good. It was a good pass. And one of the best places when he passed down to the block and then it was kicked out to the corner to, you know, uh, I forget who it was, but they hit the jump shot. It wasn't Buddy or Gerard. I forget who it was, Um, but it was just an awesome ball movement play. Mm-hmm. No, it was just like, yes, yeah, that, that's beautiful basketball right there. But you know what yeah, else is beautiful? Watch. What else is beautiful is the fact that Georgetown lost. That's that was pretty great. Yes. Well, they shouldn't have been there in the <laughs> first smoke too. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even close. <laughs> what did they, they lose to again? Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. What I loved about our win against San Diego State, how we kind of blew them out, was that people, especially Twitter, hated the fact that Syracuse got in. And like, oh, they don't deserve it, yada, yada. And Syracuse kind of beat their first opponent pretty easily and was like, we deserve to be here. Like, this is why we're here. And I like that. Yeah. No, they – they every time – or not every time, but most times Syracuse barely squeaks into the tournament. They prove everybody wrong. And I think, <laughs> honestly, the only time they ever performed this well in the tournament, other than the time they won the whole thing, is when they're kind of just playing with house money and they barely make it in. There's not really that high of expectations. Cause I remember the one time they were a one seed, they just like completely disappointed everybody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember which year was that who was on the team at that point. They, so there's a couple times I remember they were one seeds. The first one uh, was that 2000, 2010 when they lost to Butler in the sweet 16 I and mean, Butler went on to the final game, but yeah. that was tough. 
And then 2012, they were also one, but Fab Mello got suspended right before the tournament. And, uh, and then they, they did get to the elite eight, but they lost to Jared Solinger in Ohio state in that elite eight. Okay. Yeah. I remember that now. Okay. But yeah, like I said, like Syracuse, when they're the underdog and they just got no pressure on mm-hmm. themselves, they, they definitely show up and it's been pretty awesome to watch uh, as we wind down. Mike, do you have any, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, just to piggyback off of that, it is as a fan, it's kind of frustrating when, you know, the team is supposed to do well and then they don't. And then when they're not supposed to do well, they do good. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't know how, but it makes it, it makes it exciting. You know, it's, it, it makes it exciting. And I, I just want to note too, the, uh, the Syracuse women's team also won their first game. They're advancing to the second round. They, they have a very tough matchup. They're playing the number one seed UConn. So I don't know if, how much I like their chances there, but it was exciting to see both Syracuse men's and women's teams win and oh my God, how insulting was it to look at the girls' locker room, or not locker room, their weight room versus the guys' weight room? Like it was like, yeah. I mean, I get, I get it. The men make more, make the men's NCAA has more eyes and more viewers, and probably make money for the NCAA. But come on, I mean, I think you're the one said Drew, like that. You have more equipment at your gym at your apartment complex. Yeah, no, that that just was ridiculous, and the amount of douchebags in the comments talking about how oh my god the the men bring in more money so the women don't deserve that much equipment like come on like this is just the bare necessities this isn't like like the difference between a five-star hotel and a three-star hotel that the the people are staying in like i don't know it's it was just ridiculous to me but anybody wants to catch that game they're playing uconn uh tuesday at nine o'clock on espn and uh syracuse uh, men's basketball their next game against houston will be 955 another late one uh on saturday evening so um is this usually how good in the late window is, is this usually yeah. how they do it though is it usually uh sunday saturday sunday monday tuesday or is it you, i thought it used to be no. Thursday, Friday, saturday sunday that's how it yeah used to be. it is i i don't like that they mess with the yeah the days of the week that they do this on um i don't I'm like right now like games on a monday night is weird too um yeah, yeah i'm not a fan yeah. yeah and it does suck like i i enjoy watching uh q's games late as long as they're on like a friday or saturday but i mean I'd rather watch it in the afternoon, you know, not stay right. up till midnight to watch the game past that, but that's no, all right. We'll just uh, be that much happier going to bed eventually after we're excited from the close heart attack win that Cuse is inevitably going to have, right? Just Well, just know that since you're in Buffalo, you're going to get some noise complaints from your neighbors if Syracuse wins late and you guys are like going nuts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely going to get some noise complaints, but uh, he is going to get some noise complaints for being too rowdy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, but I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, last point, RIP to the Lakers title chances. Sorry to you guys for LeBron James's injury. We'll see if he ends up coming back to bring you guys, uh, to the finals to most likely play the Nets, but we shall see. This is my public prayer that the Nets don't win it. I don't care about the Lakers, but I pray that the Nets don't win it. That's fair enough. All right. Well, thank you, Pat. Thank you for coming on to the show. And I hope you guys enjoy Syracuse's third game in the NCAA tournament.